Welcome to the Blockbusters and Birdwalks podcast. I am the curator, Garrett Chaffin Kirai. My on-ramp to studying black American movies was Eddie Murphy, whose turn from Saturday Night Live prodigy to Hollywood hitmaker was perfectly clear by the time he headlined Beverly Hills Cop in 1984. Then that Murphy-defined on-ramp to black movies turned into a dedicated lane of curiosity because of Spike Lee. I'd been dimly aware of Lee's Do the Right Thing in 1989 because it was released during the same summer as Tim Burton's Batman. But I'd stayed away because I didn't know New York City from Boston, and I didn't watch movies for social commentary. The following year, I worked as a movie theater usher when Lee's fourth feature, Mo' Better Blues, was released. I met Denzel Washington and Wesley Snipes for the first time that summer, and I began to understand the meaning of a Spike Lee joint, because there was the man himself, the credited writer-director-producer, playing a supporting role alongside his sister, the actress Joy Lee, with their father, Bill Lee, providing the music. So began my formal study of movies, which soon led to learning about race films, the career of Oscar Michaud, Hattie McDaniel's Oscar, the complexities of passing, and the impact of Sidney Poitier, the man who integrated America in 1967 in Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, or so the story was told in my mostly white world that venerated Martin Luther King Jr. before he had a holiday in January. Somewhere in the mix, I read about Melvin Van Peebles, who was born in 1932 and died in 2021. <laughs> Van Peebles graduated Ohio Wesleyan University and enlisted in the U.S. Air Force. After leaving the military due to segregation's impact on his career as a black man, he moved to San Francisco and began a peripatetic life of odd jobs, romantic entanglements, creative pursuits, and general orneriness to risk his all on projects he believed in. Along the way, he moved to Europe and produced short films while writing poetry, novels, and plays. When he learned that he could adapt a published novel into a film with a grant from the French Cinema Center, he selected his own book, La Pension, and turned it into his debut feature of 1967, The Story of a Three-Day Pass. Following the pattern of a tragic love story, The Story of a Three-Day Pass departs from convention, first by centering on a black man who falls for a white woman, and second by not making him pay for the fling with his life. The story of A Three-Day Pass is also notable for its French New Wave-influenced experimentation with film form that includes jump cuts, freeze frames, dream states, and photomontage, along with a racially charged theme about sexual predation. Columbia Pictures soon signed Van Peebles to direct Watermelon Man in Hollywood in 1970. This is the home of the sheriff, not the land of the free. Watermelon Man tells the story of a bigoted white insurance executive who wakes up one day as a black man. His wife rejects him, he loses his place in society, and his new pariah status forces him to see American life from a new angle. Van Peebles spiced up the topical comedy with small tweaks of established form, like the use of direct address and found footage, but the movie failed to find a large enough audience to feed Columbia executives, leaving Van Peebles permanently disappointed by the rules of mainstream entertainment. 
dedicated to all the brothers and sisters who had enough of the man. Van Peebles parlayed his salary from Watermelon Man to help fund his experimental third feature, Sweet Sweetback's Badass Song, in 1971. At one point, down to his last penny, the project was infused with a completion loan from Bill Cosby, and in this hand-to-mouth way of borrowing and investing, hustling and calling action, Van Peebles wrote, directed, co-produced, scored, edited, and starred in the one film that has outstripped his body of creative works to synecdocally stand in for the man himself. Here, we should note that Van Peebles left behind paintings, poetry collections, plays, musicals, short films, acting performances on TV and in film, and spoken word albums, among many works worth experiencing. Sweet Sweetback's Badass Song opens with the sexual initiation of a boy named Sweetback, played by child actor Mario Van Peebles, the gray school-aged son of the movie's director. Then the action jumps into the present, and we settle in on the adult Sweetback, played by Melvin Van Peebles, who pays the bills doing live sex performance as a stud in a minstrel show. When Sweetback witnesses the police assault of a young black man, who is a Black Panther activist, Sweetback defends the young man, knocking the police officers into comas, which forces him to flee from the authorities or risk death. Through the rest of the film, he makes his way slowly to Mexico. The movie's direct use of racial epithets, sexual stereotype and sexual expression, white caricature and graphic violence was aggressive for 1971. One result of this blunt presentation is that audiences then and now were and are keenly divided about whether this is a movie to celebrate or consign to the dustbin of history. The Motion Picture Association of America screened Sweet Sweetback's badass song and gave the film an X rating, the kiss of death for a movie seeking a wide release. But Van Peebles, ever the public relations innovator and provocateur, and here setting a pattern for younger artists, including Spike Lee, responded to the MPAA with the threat of a lawsuit and the highly promotable catchphrase, rated X by an all-white jury, that he used to temporarily push Arthur Hiller's 1970 mega-hit Love Story from the top spot of national box office when Sweet Sweetback's badass song was released. Only Jerry Gross's exploitation studio, Cinemation Industries, would distribute Sweet Sweetback's badass song, which meant that Van Peebles worked hard to supplement Cinemation's limited resources by contacting black-owned businesses in centers of African-American life to bring attention to his movie. This was a time before a saturation booking, whereby a single well-advertised movie might swamp a market in a single day, as in Steven Spielberg's pioneering Jaws in 1975. In 1971, when a wide release meant a few hundred screens in a few hundred theaters in a time before multiplexes, a movie might move from one region of the country to the next for a year or more before finally leaving screens. Because of this pattern, called a platform release, entrepreneurs like Van Peebles had time to make contacts in regional hubs to stimulate journalists and to otherwise push their movies into public consciousness without expensive radio and TV ad buys it has been difficult to determine exactly how financially successful the movie really was. Into this gap, historians collectively suggest that Sweet Sweetback's Badass Song earned somewhere between $4 million and $15 million at the box office, based partly on estimating ticket sales in the range of $1 to $2 a seat against a budget of $150,000, as reported by Van Peebles. Which means, 
it was very profitable, and this much largely due to the fact that Van Peebles figured out exactly how to encourage just the right kind of viewer to turn out for his film. And Sweet Sweetback's badass song helped popularize certain symbols of black empowerment while demonstrating the value of ancillary markets to the financial health of a movie through the release of a soundtrack album headlined by the then barely known group Earth, Wind, and Fire. Lacking polished performers, a strong script, or skilled production staff, Sweet Sweetback's badass song is a difficult film to enjoy, although it's easy to admire for being an historical watershed. On one hand, this is because Van Peebles established stock characters across Sweetback's journey that proved central to Hollywood police procedurals for the rest of the 1970s, perhaps even through the present. On the other hand, Sweet Sweetback's badass song is extremely raw, technically, rendering some sequences incomprehensible and just plain boring. But because Sweetback's flight runs through whorehouses, gambling dens, voodoo churches, and halfway houses for political revolutionaries, his journey symbolically elevates him into being a kind of biblical figure, Sweetback as a South Central Moses, and the people he meets along the way are similarly regarded with favor and kindness beyond the usual pigeonhole of being black criminal cranks. Unfortunately, Van Peebles' talents as an actor make Sweetback less than a three-dimensional character and more of a slightly embarrassing reminder of an older time when black roles in movies were rare. Remember, Sweetback is a black buck stereotype who disrobes repeatedly to have sex with various women, one of them white, and his political awakening is only accidentally organized in defense of a young Black Panther. Still, Sweet Sweetback's badass song is, for many, unforgettable. Watching a black man act out taboo behaviors is a kind of liberation, symbolically, for image-starved moviegoers longing to see someone like them on screen. And such a character proved influential in 1971, when the year's Best Picture Academy Award nominees were The French Connection, A Clockwork Orange, Fiddler on the Roof, The Last Picture Show, and Nicholas and Alexandra, all centered on a parade of white people exhibiting great complexity in a world mostly absent of black folks. So, Van Peebles set the table for black exploitation because he shined a light into the absence of representation that was quickly filled by people with both good and bad intentions. There was a brief spike in movie production by and for black audiences, like Gordon Parks Jr.'s Superfly in 1972. <laughs> along with an expansion of stories about black folks who were not normally at the center of the frame, like Jack Starrett's Cleopatra Jones in 1973. There were also new TV shows, like Sanford and Son and Chico and the Man, all of which began to naturalize non-white experiences in the hearts and minds of people across America, indeed, across the world. As a kid who grew up watching reruns of What's Happening and who thought coming to America was Eddie Murphy's high watermark... I now know that these works, alongside the careers of artists like Spike Lee, Ava DuVernay, and Jordan Peele, branched out from Melvin Van Peebles, a polymath who once played Sweetback, a guy who ran to Mexico, accompanied by Earth, Wind, and Fire. Come on, Pete. Cruise with me. Trouble ain't no place to be. Come on, feet. Do your thing.
Thank you for listening to the Blockbusters and Birdwalks podcast. My name is Garrett Chaffin Kirai. Boop boobity doo.